0: We are going to talk a little bit today, we're going to shift gears, but I was talking about forgiveness the last handful of weeks, perhaps you've been joining us. Today I'm going to shift gears a bit. Today is what we would call the day of Pentecost as followers of Jesus. What I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about what Pentecost was, what it is. And then I believe what God has given is just a word for our church, a word for our families, a word for our cities, and a word for our nation, actually, uh, this morning. Perhaps you heard me at 8 a.m., and I just really feel like the Lord planted something in my heart this morning, and I'm going to do my best to deliver it with love and full of his uh, presence and his gentleness. So, we're going to celebrate today as we regathered. It is good, and it is good. I just want to address, for all of you who are watching online, I just want to take a minute. I want to address everybody that's sitting in the room. I am overjoyed to be able to see you, to see your faces, to see all of you uh, walk in the door. It is awesome to be with you. We know this is the first step to getting back to what we want to see. Let's jump in and let's start in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Now, in my notes, but I've really felt like I needed to read this this morning because it's going to bring some context to something that I'm going to say in a few moments. It says, Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And then bear with me as I try to get through all these names. Parthians, Medes, El- Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Catch this. Both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I want to define for us first. So first, this is what we're going to walk through. I'm going to give you some definition today. I'm going to talk about the definition of Pentecost. And I'm actually going to give you the definition of Pentecost, but up against uh, Passover And you're going to understand why in a second. And then I'm going to to give you what I believe is a word just to encourage us. Some of you might use the word prophetic. However you choose to hear that. A prophetic word, an encouraging word, a word that I just feel like God placed on my heart that we need to talk about. But let's define uh, what Pentecost is. Pentecost was one of three religious festivals that the Jews were called to. The first one was Passover. The second one was Pentecost. So all the Jews were to attend Pentecost in Jerusalem. All the Jews were to attend. So all of them came from all over the nation. That's why you read when I read in verse 5 through 8-ish. That's why we see all of them coming from all over the place. That what was happening was that they were all... In terms of faith, they were all Jewish, but in terms of ethnicity and nationality, they were from far different places. They spoke different languages. They looked different shades of color. They uh, had to travel from different distances. They had probably some different cultural specificities that they lived by when it came to their faith. But nonetheless, they came together, this diverse group of believers, of Jews and they gathered. And what would happen is, is during this festival, the first fruits of their gathering were to be given. So in the Old Testament, when God first gave instruction for these three festivals, he gave instruction that on Pentecost, this specific festival that we're talking about today, that we're celebrating today, today is the actual day of Pentecost. That what was asked by god was to give of the first fruits first fruits are always the more sacrificial fruits the reason they're more sacrificial is because it's easy to give and take what you need to for your own sake and then what's left over give a portion of that to god but god says i want your first fruits it's this tithing principle of God, I'm gonna. Be, this is gonna be sacrificial because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give of what I've harvested first. I'm gonna give first from that, not knowing if I'm gonna have enough left over. But you've called me to give a portion of my first fruits, a portion of what you've given to me. I'm giving back to you. I'm offering back to you, and which you give in return is blessing. The word pente means fifty. So in the Greek, it's Pentecost Day, it's 50 days. So what we get is is that Jesus, Passover, let me describe Passover so we understand this 50-day mark, Passover is what we would celebrate as Easter. We celebrate the crud out of Easter, don't we? I mean, when all this quarantine stuff hit, every church in America melted down. How are we going to celebrate the painting of eggs and the Easter bunny and the celebratory colors And the crowds that we love, that we've become so addicted to, whole nother message. What are we going to do without the fanfare and the celebrity nature of Easter in America? You know, our ability to celebrate, just as a side note, our ability to celebrate Easter this last year didn't change the fact that Jesus is still alive and he's on the move. (laughs) So Pentecost is 50 days. Pentecost occurred 50 days after Jesus died and was resurrected. 50 days later was this passage I just read Pentecost. Passover is a celebration. I'm going to define this because we need, I I think there's some language here we need to understand. It's the celebration of liberation from slavery. Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And what Passover was the celebration of their liberation from being enslaved. Jesus Christ liberated us from the slavery of sin through his death and through his resurrection. That is Passover. 50 days later, Pentecost. Pentecost. Passover speaks to the greatest promise to the world. Passover speaks to the greatest promise of the world. John 3, 16. Here's the promise to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish or die, but have life everlasting. That's a a world promise. With the promise attached that whoever believes in him should not die. Passover speaks to the greatest promise to the world. Pentecost speaks to the greatest promise to the church. Just before Acts 2 that I just read in Acts 1, Jesus says this to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. That's a promise. promise and Jesus in that moment was speaking to his followers that would number about 120 people so what we would see a little bit later after Jesus says this after he tells them in acts 1:8 you will receive power you see that Peter goes and starts speaking to what's recorded as about 120 people. So here we have 120 people, and Jesus says, I want you to stay where you're at. In this case, it was an upper room. I want you to stay in the upper room, and I want you to wait. I want you to gather. I want you to regather there. It's this picture that maybe today there's a regathering. That that we're regathering here on our campus, but also that there's a regathering happening in our homes and our communities. That the prayer is there's a regathering happening And the purpose of Passover in this moment, the purpose of Passover was that it opened the door for God's people to walk into the power of Pentecost. Jesus Christ dying on the cross and leaving the grave empty was like a door that was open for us to cross the threshold of our freedom from slavery. So that we could then walk into the power of Pentecost. And we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection over Passover. But I think sometimes, I think for the most part, I had people come up to me after the last service and said, I never I never even knew what Pentecost was. Here's my point. We celebrate Passover. It's a national holiday. But we lose sight. The celebration of Pentecost. Our biggest battle lies between the freedom of Passover and the power of Pentecost. It's our biggest battle. That's where the battleground is. See, this is is what the devil says. The devil says, hey, I'll let you walk free. Cool. You get the freedom from Passover. You get the freedom from Jesus Christ going to the cross. You get the freedom from him overcoming death and leaving the grave empty. Cool. I'll let you walk free. I just will not let you walk in the power of the freedom. So in between the Passover and the freedom... And the power of Pentecost lies this area of confusion. And freedom without empowered purpose causes identity confusion. I'm going to say that again. Freedom without an empowered purpose causes an identity confusion. Jesus had told his followers who they were and now... He's going to empower them in their identity. And too many times we know who we are, but we haven't walked into the power of that identity. Sometimes the enemy likes to get a stranglehold on us and allow us to think there's security in walking in freedom and keep us blind. To walking in power. The most insecure moment in a Christian's life is when they come to a church and they sit in a seat and they think that represents freedom. And further confusion is caused if they think that represents walking in power of their freedom. It's not about sitting in a seat. It's not okay just to be free. I need to walk in power, empowered in the identity of who God calls me. He set me free, but he wants me to walk in the power of that free identity. Are you with me? Imagine for a second being told that you're a son of a king. I'm a son of a king. But never being allowed to share in the power of your father's kingdom. Imagine that. Wouldn't you begin to question whether or not you were truly a son? Okay, you said I'm a son. But I can't walk in the power of of my father's kingdom. So is he, is he my father? Is he really my father? Do I need, a, I need a spiritual paternity test? Identity and confusion over your identity starts happening. So you can walk freely, but the power to walk freely in your identity is being withheld. This week, our nation, in fact, the entire world, specifically our nation, was faced with the horrific murder of a black man by the name of George Floyd. George Floyd was free to walk the streets He was just powerless to live. You see, what's fascinating is we're seeing the pain of freedom without empowerment in the lives. Let me me say this again. We're seeing the pain of freedom without empowerment in the lives of our black brothers and sisters. It is a power struggle. The enemy wants to tell you you're free and agree with you. The enemy will always present, he'll even present scripture to you. (laughs) He did to Jesus in the wilderness and the first thing he attacked was Jesus' identity. If you are the son of God, too many times the conversations that i had this week with people that are close to me that i love people of color my brother-in-law my wife my children and being left in a place where i was like i don't even have a response for this i don't i don't even know how to respond to this And, 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 I, and I want you to understand something. I'm not condoning violence, and I'm not condoning rioting, but I want you to understand something. When you tell somebody that they have an identity, and you say that they're free, and in any form or fashion, they're oppressed to not walk on the power of their identity, oftentimes what will manifest will look violent or angry, but we need to pay attention to the person and read what's going on behind the actions. And I'm telling you, I saw this Instagram post of this young black man and he said, to be black in America today, I question my identity daily. I hear so many people say, well, slavery ended how many hundred years ago? We had civil rights. That was 60 years ago. That's all done. It's just... And the enemy will allow us to walk free, not as slaves, but not in power of our identity. And I'm telling you at the core of the pain, in our country right now. And I'm gonna speak specifically to young black men and women. At the core of their pain is this confusion over who it is. I am a son of a king, but I'm questioning who my dad is if I can't walk in the power of my daddy's kingdom. And what they're seeing on TV And what they're seeing on the streets of the cities they live in is I am a free man named George Floyd to walk down the street, but I am powerless when it comes to my own life. Pentecost was what we call the day of revival. Holy Spirit comes. And we want revival. Heck, we wanna celebrate Passover. We're like, Woo, Passover. Woo Easter man, Easter bunny, we got it all together, I got my kids some chocolate, you know, you're always going to eat the chocolate first, like, what do you eat first, the bunny's ears, or do you eat the tail, or do you just, you know, bite into its belly, like, do you like the eggs that are colored, do you like the non-colored eggs, do you like the plastic eggs, do you, you know, some families, like, hide, like, money in the eggs, and, like, we celebrate the crud out of Easter, you know what I mean, like, we like to color our Easter eggs, we just don't want to color our churches, It is time, scripturally, this is is what got me. It is time for us to have, like, I I felt like what the Lord said to me is, Pat, even over this quarantine, what God's doing is is he's like, I am reshaping and I am shifting the paradigm of rhythms and rituals that you have made idols that you've put on the shelves of churches. And you've said, if we do it this way, then God is happy and people will come and sit in our seats. And God said, "Um, people sitting in seats isn't what makes me happy. So I've gone through the last 11 weeks of God dealing with my heart as a pastor because, you know what, this is the first time in over two months, two and a half months, that I've seen faces sitting in seats. I love to see your faces, but this is not the goal. The goal is for us to actually gather together. Let me walk through this liturgy. Gather together in the figurative upper room so that the Holy Spirit can bring a reviving freshness to our hearts so that we can move into what, reconciliation, so that we can move into what, redemption. Here's what happened, Holy Spirit comes, boom, falls like fire in the room, Peter comes out of the room, people are like, hey, we heard you speaking in all of our tongues, by the way, all these people were different what, ethnicities, different language, different tribe, different tongue, but what they have in common, they had Jesus in common. Then what happened? If you read a little bit further, it says 3,000 people ended up having their lives redeemed. What we want to do is we want to go, God, we want revival. And we want out of that revival for us to see like a flood of redemption. And God said, you can't have revival and redemption unless you deal with the reconciliation in the middle. And I got half, I got half of who God created us to be. Walking around in our society confused about their identity and at best it's giving us like we're a limping crippled church. Let me be more specific. Can you imagine for one second how powerful we would be in the kingdom if our black brothers and sisters and our young people of color understood their identity and had the power to walk in their identity, there would be an uprising in the kingdom. Something would happen. The enemy doesn't want us to get on the same page. The enemy doesn't want white and black and Mexican and Asian and Arab. He doesn't want us all on the same page. He doesn't want us speaking the same language. That's why the Holy Spirit showed up and spoke through them in their, in their own tongue. Why? Because reconciliation superseded redemption. Jesus had to reconcile what was broken between you and I before we were redeemed. You want to see revival in America? People ask me, Pat, man, I just, I'm praying for revival in America, man. It's Pentecost. I want revival. And I'm like, we will never see revival to the fullest. You will never see the fulfillment of the revival that God has unless you see every tribe, tongue, and nation responding and that they are understood. <sighs> somebody at home, like, somebody at home, please. Shout amen and slap somebody that you're sitting next to. Are you are are you are you like, are you catching what I'm saying? I pray like I really I'm sincerely mean. I pray this is landing in your heart with like a gentleness, but but like a piercing truth. It is not good enough for us as the church to sit back and say, we're praying. We need to be sitting back going, Holy Spirit, come and bring your power. Jesus stepped into our pain. How do I step into the pain of the black community right now? That's specifically what we're talking about. And at times, it's not just the black community. At times, it's the Hispanic. It's the Latino community. Where we see this happen time and time again. This has been a power struggle from the very beginning. It is about power. The enemy wants power. He is a power monger. He wants to recruit you and I to be what? Power mongers. What does that mean? We want power over everybody else. He will use economic status, your zip code. The European car that you drive, that your neighbor can't afford. He will use the color of your skin. He will use the oppressive nature of of squaring our head on nationality and losing sight that in this moment of revival, nation didn't matter. Man, I I I feel like I need to quit preaching. Guys, this is this is hard stuff. But this is truth. This is the truth. This is what I felt like the Lord was saying. He said, God was saying, "Pat, I'm breaking off all, all these old rhythms and rituals." To move us past performance, the performance of religion, and move us into the power of relationship. And in order for that to happen, there's, the, the, there's this idea that you can't pour new wine into old wineskin. You need new wineskin for new wine. And there's the story that Jesus is answering when they, they ask, how come, how come these people over here are fasting and your disciples, Jesus, don't fast? caught up on method, caught up on ritual. And Jesus says, hey, I'm do, basically I'm doing a new thing. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skin will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. God's methods on how he wants to manifest himself require new vessels new wine skin Isaiah 43:18 says forget the former things don't dwell on the past see I'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it Do you know why Isaiah here says do you not perceive it because we don't perceive it Do do, do you know why it's so hard to hear something like what I'm saying sometimes because sometimes we'd rather just not see it. I don't want to perceive it because I feel better not perceiving it. I feel better not having to watch a police officer's knee on the neck of another human being. I feel better about that. It doesn't change the fact. God is renewing and he's refreshing and the enemy wants to keep us blind, family. Do you not perceive what God is wanting to do? I believe this is one of the craziest times in our nation. But I think it's one of, in crisis, it's presenting itself to be one of the most opportune times. We have an opportunity I've been getting phone calls and text messages and, you know, having personal conversations this week about multiple things, you know. You know, open the church, not going to open church. How are you going to open the church? hundred people, is that a hundred people plus the person that's standing in the red shirt at the door? I mean, are we going to wear masks or are we not going to wear masks? You know, do your masks, you know. And do it, rubber gloves or no rubber gloves? And then kids or no kids? And then how are you going to deal with those kids? And then like, you know, but what about the government? And then like, you know, you never should have closed the church in the first place because that just shows you have lack of faith. And you're just fearful as a pastor. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I, all week long, this is what I hear. These are conversations I have, right? And then on top of that, I also have my own personal life where it's just like, now can I, can I just be transparent with you right now? Okay. So I have my own personal life where I'm like walking through the fact that I'm looking at my wife and I'm looking at my brother-in-laws and I'm, I'm thinking about my father-in-law who we just celebrated one year ago, just passed away. I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about what he gave in his life. I'm thinking about the turmoil and the pain that he walked through. I'm thinking about the conversations that I've had with him about how culture wanted to strip away the identity of the black men. How when he enlisted in the military to fight for our freedom, he got a ticket to eat because that's what everyone who enlisted got. But he didn't get to go sit in the restaurant and eat. He got sent in the alley behind the restaurant because that's where the black guys had to go get their food. I'm thinking through looking at a man dying on a street in Minneapolis and and in my brain I'm saying, That could be one of my family members. I'm thinking about our young men and women of all nationalities who right now are embroiled in a battle over their identity. And the enemy wants to confuse identity. The enemy will say, you're a son, you're a daughter. You just can't walk in the power of it. And it's almost worse. I'd rather know that I'm a bastard child and not even have to know what I could potentially walk in. You know what the the most imprisoning thing you can do to a person? is Show them their potential, but don't let them walk in it. And that's what young men and women are dealing with right now. Can I tell you something? And this is raw. That's what young men and women of color are dealing with today. We show them their potential in America. But you just can't walk in the power of it. And I got to the point this week where I'm like, man, I feel like this obligatory like, responsibility to get on my phone and post something about, about black people because I'm married to a black woman. Again, can I just be transparent with you? This is how this works. My own identity started swirling. Do I post something? Do I not post? If I, if I don't post something, then people are gonna think that I'm like, what if they, and all of a sudden, like, And as I'm reading through this scripture, and quite honestly, I'm listening to worship songs, the Holy Spirit just starts wrecking me and is showing me that this is actually the only response that we have. This is the only response that the 120 were given that they could have. This is the only response that we can really have. We have a nation right now walking around with signs that say, I can't breathe. Here's what we need. We need the breath of a living God that comes on Pentecost. When we can't breathe as a nation, when you're feeling the pressure, when you're feeling the pain, and you guys are feeling it feeling the pain and the anguish of separation, of being quarantined, of of having to be isolated. You're feeling the pain. I know you're feeling the pain. I know you're feeling the pain of turning on the TV and seeing what's happening. I know you're feeling the pain of watching George Floyd. I know you're feeling the pain. And there's moments where I feel like I just can't, like I can't breathe. It's like the Lord just came alongside and said, this is, the, this is the time. This is your Pentecost moment for you to just sit and just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Breath of life. Would you breathe? Breathe on our nation. Breathe into our homes and our cities. Breathe on the streets, God, where we're seeing the pain manifest of young men and women who, who are confused and they don't know how to respond. Come Holy Spirit, would you just breathe? That moment by moment, day by day, that Pentecost wasn't like a faucet that was turned on one day and God you're done, that you, you like broke open a dam and you said, there is now a rushing river of my presence that you can step into, that you can say, God, would you bring this refreshing, life-giving spirit here? Family, I don't know what else to do. I don't have the answer. But you just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fall fresh in this place? Would you fall like fire, We will do anything to see your revival and to see the redemptive power of your revival. But what that means is we have to embrace the reconciliation in between. Of our nation, on behalf of our cities, God, on behalf of our homes, and our families, and our friends. Just say calm, reshape and shift our perspectives. give us a deep empathy that comes from your empowering spirit that it says that they understood one another in this passage because of your Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think that there's not a language barrier between us racially that's physical. There's a language barrier spiritually. God, give us ears to hear. Give us ears to see and hear the pain and not get caught up on the peripheral things but more than anything give us the church the heart the strength the courage to stand and say Holy Spirit come bring reconciliation and bring an overflow of redemption as we regather we say revival as we regather we say reconcile as we regather we say redeem Revive, reconcile, and redeem. As we walk away from today, listen, this is not like, this is just kind of heavy. But I felt like here's a point for you guys. If you're feeling a sense of confusion over a situation or circumstance going on right now, personally or publicly, someone grab me a Kleenex. I'm totally okay with not social distancing right now. There's no Kleenex because we were being so good about not spreading germs. This is gonna be like, the spread. thank you. Thank you, I appreciate that. you feel a sense of confusion over a situation or circumstance right now, here's what I would tell you. That is the very point that the devil is working. Because the devil always wants to bring confusion in the details. And God wants to bring clarity. And so here's what we do. This is going to seem very oversimplified. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit into every single one of those moments, moment by moment, if we need to. And and I sincerely mean this. Walking the streets of Minneapolis, of New York, of San Francisco, of L.A., and moment by moment, saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Revive. Reconcile. Redeem, revive, reconcile, redeem. Holy Spirit come. That's our response. We will participate. It is time for the church to stand. It is time for the church to not be silent because Jesus did not remain silent pain and we will not remain silent in the pain of our black brothers and sisters of our family members and our friends we will stand in the pain and we will say Holy Spirit come revive reconcile redeem stand with me this morning going to close by praying. I'm going to close my eyes. I feel comfortable doing that. If you feel comfortable doing that, you can join me. I do that because it helps me focus. I already have ADD or something. I just have an overactive Holy Spirit part of my brain. It's not ADD. God, I pray for an empowering, encounter right now for every single person in this room, every single person watching on YouTube, every single person watching on Facebook, every single person who's going to be watching this during the week. God, I pray that this word would be received with an air of love and gentleness, but a cutting truth that would be seeded into the hearts of every man and woman and child that hears it, that we have a responsibility to one another, that what we saw on the day of Pentecost was amazing And what we see today in America as revival and what we've read about in the history books is revival and the Pentecostal movement. I just want to acknowledge right now William J. Seymour, an African-American man who was the pioneer of the Pentecostal movement that we now know today. And he did it, believe it or not, in a racially diverse church. And at the core of the move of the Holy Spirit was because... Reconciliation was at the forefront of what they were doing. Amazing. Revival, reconciliation, and an amazing outpouring of redemption. And I want to thank him for what it is that he did. That today we stand here and we say, God, pour out your presence like never before. Empower us with courage and strength. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen. It was great being with you this Sunday. We look forward to seeing you again next week at 8, 9, 30, 11, 15, or you can join us on Wednesday Night Live. Family, friends online, thank you for joining. We look forward to seeing you hopefully next week here live on campus.